Welcome to Saints Alive, where we take you with us to meet God's most heroic followers. The saints were just ordinary boys and girls who allowed God's love to transform them into real-life superheroes. Their love for God changed our world. Did you know that God has sent you here to become a saint? It's up to you to choose love over fear, to be courageous, faithful, and kind. The choice to become a saint won't be easy, but it will be worth it. So listen closely and open your hearts. These real-life tales of the saints from the past may just inspire you how to live your story. Let's go on this adventure together. This episode is sponsored by Books for Catholic Kids. Is your family looking for exciting stories of faith and courage? Check out Books for Catholic Kids. Each book is packed with adventure and unforgettable characters. Families love these books for read-aloud and bedtime stories. The bestseller Heavenly Hosts, Eucharistic Miracles for Kids, and the award-winning Lucia of Fatima make perfect First Communion and Confirmation gifts. To learn more, visit katherineswegart.com. Check out the link in the show notes for this episode. Catholic Family Crate and Saints Alive have teamed up to create an interactive listening experience with a collection of saint coloring pages. These pages are hand-illustrated, free, and you can download and print them from any computer. Color along by listening to Saints Alive by downloading these coloring sheets at catholicfamilycrate.com slash saintsalive. Again, that link is catholicfamilycrate.com slash saintsalive. If you love listening to Saints Alive, please consider donating so that we can continue to create these episodes. You can donate anywhere from $5 to $50 a month with some fun perks to go along with your patronage. Check out our Patreon account, which you can find through the donation page on our website at www.saintsalivepodcast.com. Today, we bring you the tale of... <coughs> oh, sorry, guys. I'm feeling a little under the weather. I, I don't know if I can get through this one. Oh, sorry. But you all came to listen, and I can't let you down. Hmm. Maybe I can... <coughs> Maybe... Maybe I can use my magical, omniscient narrator powers to eavesdrop on some other place where someone's about to share the same story. Somewhere out there where you all are. Let me check my handy dandy scanner. Aha! Here we go. Once upon a time. Right now, in fact. In the distant land of Wisconsin. Just outside of Sheboygan. Oh yes. That's Brad Brumley sitting on his bed. He's looking very sad. Oh, I better be quiet. His dad's coming. Darth Vader macaroni and cheese. Brad? Dad, that's not the passphrase anymore. Oh, sorry. Uh, what's the new one? Dad, you can just come in. But watch out for... Oh! The Legos. Mm, didn't your mother tell you to... 
It's okay. Sorry about the Death Star. Uh, you want help building it back? Nah, I need to clean my room anyway. You want to clean your room? Is there something you want to tell me about? About the Legos? About what happened at school today. Not really. Am I grounded? You think you should be? No. Then I think you need to tell me what happened. Nothing. Miss Wyman told us to write a saint report for religion, and I did. And? And that's why I want to be like Saint Therese. I want to love God in the little ways every day. Even though I'm small, my flower will grow big. That's three on St. Tourette's. You would think there's no other saints. <laughs> That's great, Greta. A lovely example for the rest of the class. Who's next? Hmm. I think... Brad? This should be good. <laughs> you did do it. Right? Of course. You're always saying saints are the true heroes. Well, my report is about one of the greatest heroes of all time. He was born during a time of great disaster. Like Moses, his parents sent him away to another land after the destruction of his home. He was adopted and raised by humble farmers in Kansas. He didn't know yet, but St. Clark of Kent will grow to lead his people to truth Justice in the American way. He was given the gifts of X-ray vision, Bradley, levitation or flight, ice breath, super strength. Bradley, faster than a speeding bullet. Brad. <laughs> you wrote your saint report on Superman. I got a bad grade. Isn't that enough? I'm gonna be grounded, right? That depends. On what? On whether you rewrite it. Rewrite what? Miss Wyman said if you took it seriously and rewrote it, she'd reconsider her grade. I would rather take the F. Why? It's not just the report. She says you never take class seriously, always making jokes. It's just boring. She says you're very funny. I just... The saints are so serious and do amazing things. I don't feel like I could ever be like that. I like making people laugh. Is that wrong? No, no, not at all. It's, it's just knowing when to be funny and when to be serious. I know it doesn't look like it, but uh, I used to be something of a class clown myself. You were funny? <laughs> There's more than one way to be a saint. Everyone has different talents and needs. God uses those talents to meet those needs for different people in different ways in different times. You know what? I'll be right back. I think I know just the saint for you to write about. One who had his own superpower. He did? What was it? Was he born with it? In some ways, yes. Some ways, no. Like every superhero, it took time for him to understand his gifts. 
St. Philip Neri was born in Florence, Italy in 1515 to a very wealthy attorney. And he had a reputation for good humor from a very young age, like you. And like most boys of his time, he thought he'd take over the family business. As a young man, he was sent to work for his uncle, Romolo. Philip was well-educated in the ways of philosophy and theology and literature, and he did well for his uncle. He had a bright future in the world. It didn't sit well with him. He couldn't find meaning in the world of dollars and cents. He felt pulled by God to something else, something he couldn't quite explain, a little bit like Clark Kent even. Uncle Romolo! <laughs> why, why is your hat on backwards? Well, if I have to turn and run quickly, my hat will be pointed in the right direction. And why would you have to run? If you throw a shoe at me. And why would I do that? I have news that might knock your socks off, so naturally your shoe will be close at hand. Pippo, be serious with me, I'm a big man. I just want you to know that I'm deeply grateful for everything you've given me, everything you've taught me. I'm honored that you think me worthy to be your heir, but I, I can't accept it. I can't take over your business. But you must. My business, everything I've worked for, will die without you. Is it... Is it something I've done? I know I've been harsh, but... No, you haven't. It's not that. It's this business of dollars and cents. It's of great value and needed work, but I feel an, an emptiness in my heart, a longing to serve the Lord in his church. You wish to be a, a priest? I don't know how. I just know I must follow Christ, and the only way I know how is to give up everything that isn't him. I know you must be furious. Furious? No, no. Sad. I have no children, and you, Pippo, are dear to me. A son, even. I... I will miss you greatly. And yes, I have no one to pass this, all these... all these dollars and cents to, all this I've worked for, yet... yet I know when the heart calls, you must answer. I did the same in starting this business. If, if you're sure the Lord has other plans, even if you don't, even if you don't know what they are yet, I, I, I can't in good faith stand in your way. Thank you, Uncle. Please don't cry. Oh, it's, it's just allergies. Where will you go? To Rome. Rome. That wretched hive of scum and villainy? Exactly. 
Where better to find Christ than in the faces of those who need him the most? Here, take, take this. I can't. Well, you're going to need to eat, aren't you? Farewell, uncle. Take care of him, Lord. I hope you know what you're doing. without even letting his father know. That was how much he didn't want to be taken off course. In 1533, he left for Rome, nothing with him. Once he got there, he ended up on the doorstep of a Florentine gentleman who saw his passion and, considering his need, gave him a little closet to sleep in and some corn. In return, Philip tutored the gentleman's children. He stayed there for many years, more like a hermit than anything else. They used to try to give him some meat for dinner, but he'd only take a roll and for the most part would only eat once a day. When he wasn't working, he was praying. His way of life was so singular, the rumor of it began to spread around the city. So what was his purpose, living in a closet? Remember when Batman traveled the world learning karate and how bad guys think to prepare for his mission? It was kind of like that. He studied under many great scholars, surprising people when they heard him talk about subjects which were very popular studies of Rome. He spoke with a depth and precision which made speaking with him a delight. He would hold disputes about God and science. He loved poetry, and he even composed poems off the top of his head. That's pretty cool. Yet he still felt this was not his purpose. He dedicated himself entirely to prayer in hopes that God would show him the path. Did he? In Rome, he used to retire to the catacombs of the first martyrs to pray. A fortress of solitude. Yes. And as it so happened, that on the Feast of Pentecost... He was banned by a radioactive spider. <laughs> no, even better. On the night of his 29th birthday, as he was praying... Dear Lord... I do not know what you wish me to do, but I want so deeply to do what you wish. I beg, I beg you, give me the gifts to do so. Whatever you wish, it doesn't have to be anything dramatic. Could even be the gift to get up in the morning on time. Oh, oh dear, is that no? A, a, ball, a ball of fire? Lord, I said it didn't have to be dramatic. A ball of fire? Like the apostles at Pentecost? So you do pay attention in class. A flame of love entered St. Philip's heart, and he fell to the floor. Oh, Lord, I I can't take it. I, I cannot bear so much, my God. I cannot bear so much, Lord. For see, I, I am dying of it. 
Amazing! I feel so warm, like I'm burning without being on fire. I feel my heart growing. On that day, his heart grew ten sizes. In fact, after his death, when the doctors looked at it, they found his heart was giant and his ribs had been broken by it. Yet he felt no pain. From then on, he was so warm with the love of God, he'd go out in the winter with his cassock unbuttoned. Oh, Lord, thank you. I feel so happy, so full of joy. I know what I must do. I know what I must do. What did he do then? Did he fight crime? Even more than fighting those who steal or hurt people, he fought the crimes of the heart. Loneliness, despair, those things which tear people from God and send them back to seek refuge in meanness. So it was St. Philip, so inflamed with love for souls, gave up his solitude and went to the streets. He'd go around the squares, the shops, schools, sometimes even the banks, talking with all sorts of people in the most engaging way about spiritual things. My brothers, when shall we begin to do good? Excuse me? Don't you think we should do some good? Do you not think so? Or do you want to do evil? No. I, I, I mean, yes. I think more often than not, we should do more good than bad. Exactly. So when? When? If we should do good, we need a time. And if we need a time, why not now? Uh, we were heading to a party with some friends. They can come too. Come where? To do good. Now? After the party. After? Do you have plans after? <laughs> well, uh, no. Then why not go see your friends now, which is good, and after, we can do some more good with them. They like good too, or are they villains? They're not villains. Do some more good? Like what? Take a guess. Is it good to visit the sick, you think? Yes, I suppose. If they're not sleeping. But if they're not sleeping and we don't wake them, then you'd say it's good. Yes. yes. Then it's settled. We'll go meet your friends, and after the party, we can go visit someone sick who isn't sleeping. Good? I suppose. Do you think it would be bad? No. Then why not? Why not? That's the spirit. Perhaps even the Holy Spirit. Kalu, kale, lead the way, but make haste so that we may arrive today. Or... Do you not think singing is good? I do. Then sing with me. Kalu Kale, lead the way, but make haste so that we may arrive. Here you go, love. Take your medicine. <coughs> There's no point. I'll be dead soon anyway. You mustn't speak like that. <coughs> I know it's your job to pretend to care, but when I die, you won't be at the funeral, no one will. I was once a great 
man, and now look at me. A drunk. A beggar with boils all over. You'll get better. What for? Yes? <clears throat> Mr. Callieri? You have some visitors. What? Hello, good sir. You're not sleeping, are you? The nurses tell me you were once a great musician. <coughs> that was a long time ago. Well, we were wondering if you might like some company. Perhaps hear some music? We. <coughs> Why would you want to do that for me? I'm nothing. No one is nothing in the eyes of God. Why should ours be any different? May we? Yes. Bless you. Bless you all. I've not felt such joy in years. serve the sick in all their needs, making beds, sweeping floors, bringing them food. Sometimes Philip would spend whole days and entire nights keeping them company and making them laugh. This was a very strange thing to do in those days. But soon, people of all walks of life began to imitate him. Priests, ordinary workers, noblemen, they were all drawn to his example and began to visit the hospitals and serve the sick just like Philip. These works continued for some time, and more and more boys joined them. They traveled around the city, doing good, taking pilgrimages to the churches. Being boys, sometimes they'd get bored, so Philip would bring picnics and sing songs in between leading them in prayer. Basically, by introducing the boys to a form of Lexio Divina, he taught them how to pray with the scriptures. Lexio Divina? It means divine reading in Latin. It's a form of prayer where you meditate on a small passage from the Bible to see uh, what sticks out to you, what the Lord is trying to tell you through it. Wow, I didn't know we had that. That actually sounds like a lot of fun. They certainly thought so. His apostolate grew and grew to the point where in 1548, together with his close friend and confessor, Father Persiano Rosa, he founded the Confraternity of the Most Holy Trinity, a group dedicated to taking care of pilgrims and sick people. The members of the group met for mass, prayer, and other spiritual practices in the church of San Salvatore. Philip was even able to introduce the exposition of the Blessed Sacrament every month. They quickly ran out of room there, so they built a loft above the nave of the church. It came to be known as the Oratory, which means place of prayer. They became known for their gathering place. They were called the Oratoriani. Sort of like the Avengers, but for prayer? Yeah, pretty much. Soon it wasn't only the young. His reputation grew all around Rome. Soon he drew all types, priests, bishops, politicians. He dined with them and spoke to them of poetry and philosophy and history, and on these occasions, he brought about the conversion of many. 
The people in the church need converting? Even the bishops? It was a time of great corruption, and the princes of the church had gotten used to wealth and power and comfort. The church is always in need of renewal, and God always raises up new saints to meet the needs of his people. Even with jokes? Sometimes, especially. People ask me why I joke. They say, what's the point? To him I say, nothing in this world is to be taken seriously. Nothing except the salvation of a soul. Christian joy is a gift from God, flowing from a good conscience. A heart filled with joy is more easily made perfect than one that is sad. You see, that is why we must laugh often, and at ourselves most of all, knowing that this universe is only the first step to our place in heaven. And to take this world seriously is seriously absurd. How come he didn't want to be a priest if he was such a good preacher? Or maybe a missionary? He was very humble and was afraid he wasn't worthy. It took some convincing by his confessor. Fra Persiano, I know what you're going to say. What? Can you see the future now, too? <laughs> no, but I can see you pouring two glasses of wine. The church needs good priests, and many souls would benefit from your gentleness and humor in the confessional, and your devotion to our Lord in the Eucharist. People need to see their priests in love with the sacrament, truly celebrating the miracle of our Lord's desire to be with us, physically, totally in communion. You have that joy, and you need to share it. I'm not worthy. None of us are. It is a pride that tells us we can't be made worthy instruments in the hands of God. It would take much tuning to keep this instrument from playing in the wrong key. Then let God do the playing. Your humility will serve you, especially in this. Trust Him. You're afraid it will impede your ministry, and you won't be free to be with the people as you have been. I am. I have such a desire to serve God as a layman, to be free to garden in the vineyard as the Lord pleases. Do not fear. The Lord has called you this far, and I believe he is calling you further. How much more service could you be bringing the body and blood of Christ to nourish his people? Would not that be good? Of course. Then, brother... When shall we begin to do good? <laughs> the Lord has convinced me, planted deep in my heart the certainty that this is your path. Will you trust my judgment? It's certainly better than mine. So St. Philip, who always thought everyone's judgment better than his own, resigned himself to obey blindly in 
everything. In 1551, he was ordained a priest. Was he right? Did it get in the way of his ministry? No. In fact, it transformed it. As Persianos had said, his confessional became the center and source of his work. He'd hear confessions from breakfast until lunch, and then he'd often let people come to his room at night and hear their confessions all night long. Sometimes as many as 40 people came before dawn. Had he finally found his purpose? Yes, but that didn't mean the Lord was done purifying his desires. Seeing the example of his friend St. Francis Xavier, he longed to go to the missions of India. He even hurried to the ordination of some guys in his group to go with him. But he didn't go, right? In 1557, humble in all matters, Philip sought out the counsel of a certain monk. But the people, who will bring them the gospel? Did you not once relate to me that on a former occasion you were told to make Rome your desert? Yes, but I have brought much water, and I'm not certain what more can be done. These roots are hard and dry. Take heart. Seeds spring in their own time. The other night I was deep in prayer. St. John the Evangelist came to me, and he revealed to me that Rome is to be your India. Indeed? No soul needs the good news more than another. It's not a matter of East and West, rich or poor, but heaven and hell. Thank you, brother. From then on, he gave up the idea of going to foreign lands and devoted himself and his gifts completely to the service of Rome. And his superpower? He used it now more than ever. Above his door, he nailed a sign that said, House of Christian Mirth. He did everything he could to avoid people having too high opinions of him and to make those he knew laugh. He walked around in big white shoes. He dressed in silly outfits whenever he thought he'd meet any of the cardinals. He wore his clothes turned inside out. He often had a fur cloak on, a foxtail through the streets, so people would think he was stuffy and vain. He carried a pack of brooms and stopped every once in a while to smell them as if they were flowers. He shaved his beard on one side of his face only, wore his beretta cocked sideways. He wanted to be the fool for Christ. Once, at a party in his honor thrown by a woman of the highest society. Is that the Prince of Venice? We only invite the highest born and most glimmering of guests, but none compares to Philip Neri. In fact, here he comes. <laughs> is that him with the turban? Or is it a cushion? Certainly not. Oh, dear. <laughs> Philip, you're missing half your beard. Oh, am I? Indeed. Perhaps I should invest in a mirror. On another occasion, a woman really struggled with gossip. She was notorious for it, so he prescribed a most peculiar penance. You want me to what? Bring me a chicken. A chicken? And one more thing. On your way back, I want you to pluck 
all of its feathers. Why? Do you want feathers in your chicken cacciatore? So she did as she was told. Oh, what still? Oh, this is the most absurd and undignified affront. And brought the chicken back. As you insisted, I had to cross the city for this. Good. Now, I want you to go back and gather all the feathers. What? That is impossible. They are scattered all around the city. Exactly. Like gossip, your words once said can never be recovered. Oh dear, oh dear, what have I done? What you must think of me? Nonsense, daughter. Fret not what you have done, but what you will do. Now, about that cacciatore. <coughs> Don't worry, Sister Chicken. We have a great need of eggs, and Brother Pico is fond of Zanzarelli. He even taught his brothers in the oratory to do the same. He liked to pick on one brother priest in particular, out of love, and he often set him on errands wearing a purple, silk, and gold lace around his hat. Purple represents penance. Don't take yourself too seriously, remember? Father, in all seriousness, I am witness to a marriage shortly. What would you recommend as a prayer for after the mass for a happy marriage for the couple? Pray for peace. <laughs> See, you do know how to laugh. Uh, that's a good one, Father. Now quickly, go get ready for our guests. The good Cardinal is growing impatient for dinner. I raise a toast in thanks. Many years for the great Cardinal. What is that monkey doing on that brother's shoulders? With a Beretta, no less. Careful to upset him, or he might shoot. Why ever does he have a pistol? Well, we can't afford Swiss guards now, can we? <laughs> the monkey had a gun? With a cardinal present? I don't think it was loaded. He knew just how far to go. He did everything he could to keep people from idolizing him. Yet his comedy only made them love and respect him more. Even the highest of dignitaries. Did he live very long having the giant heart? That was another part of the miracle. He lived another 50 whole years. He continued to hear beating from his big heart for the rest of his life. And it would get louder when he was praying, hearing confessions, offering Holy Mass, and distributing Holy Communion. People who heard him said the beats were like the blows of a hammer. Whoa. Whoa, indeed. Did he ever become a cardinal himself? He was offered many times, and each time he turned it down. And Father Persiano was his confessor, right? Who he talked to about his love of the Eucharist? We know this too, you know grow closer to Jesus in the segment. You know what I think? I promised your sister we'd read Narnia tonight. Right in the middle of the Battle of Baruna. What if I leave you this book here and you can see for yourself? Okay, give me that. <laughs> Don't stay up too late. Night. Night. Celebrating the 
passed with so much love that he would shiver and shake with joy. So much so, he would have to lay his elbows on the altar to avoid spilling the precious blood in the chalice. St. Philip even encouraged people to go receive our Lord in communion daily. It was not really what people did back then and never lost that fire he had in his heart. He remained joyful. On his last day, at 80 years old, at the beginning of Mass, he became fixed on a hill that was visible from the chapel, like he saw a great vision. And the glory he began to sing very loudly, what was strange for him in his old age. He got so carried away in love that he sang the rest of the Mass. That night he died. He was canonized just 27 years later. There was lots of other things that happened, but I don't want to miss lunch. But I like to think, when he got to heaven, he was laughing when Peter greeted him. Knock, knock. Who's there? Pippo. They're letting hippos into heaven now. It's a pleasure to meet you, Peter. Phillips, my name. Took you long enough. <laughs> well... I needed a lot of work. <laughs> Great job, Brad. Really good. And funny. Password? Ain't no spaghetti squash. You may enter. Here's your message from Sheboygan. A plus? That's amazing. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for taking the time to help me. Anytime. You're the world to me. Do you think you have the time for any more funny saint stories? Hmm. Have you ever heard about St. John the 23rd? Nope. Well, you're about to. St. Philip Neri lived an incredible life for Christ and is the patron saint of joyful hearts. He brought laughter to those who needed to smile and joy to those in the midst of darkness. What are ways that you can bring the joy of Christ to your friends and family this week? Where can you let God in and let yourself smile and laugh in his joy instead of letting fear or worry overtake your heart? As St. Philip Neri said, a joyful heart is more easily made perfect than a downcast one. So let us turn to God and one another with a joyful heart this week. St. Philip Neri, pray for us. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Alex. I'm Melissa. And I'm Tanner. And we are the team of Saints Alive. We are so grateful for all of our wonderful listeners and need your help to keep this going. Please consider donating to our ministry through our Patreon account, which you can find through our website at www.saintsalivepodcast.com. A special thanks to our new patrons who are donating $5 a month and up. These are families and individuals who donate to help us to continue Saints Alive. A special thanks to our new patrons, Michael and Gabriel Simpson, in memory of our daddy, Green Beret Staff Sergeant Michael Harrison Simpson. Grace, Teresa, Cecilia, and Dominic Murphy, 
The Fulcher kids in North St. Paul, Finn, Mallory, John, Marie, and Paul, Andrew, Alex, Aaron, Adam, and Anna Arnsdorf, Therese, Gianna, Francis, and Maximilian Bianco, Peter, Lucy, Elizabeth, Andrew, and Claire Walker, Sebastian, Serafina, Dominic, and Marilena Grubler, Daniel, James, Simon, and Betsy Wagner, Jack Isaac Titus and Henry, the Ortiz boys, Dominic, Blaze, Adrian, Emil, and Sebastian, the Mothershed family, John, Suzanne, Michael, and Sebastian, Emma, Alexa, and Olivia Villarreal, Rosalie, Ralph, Sienna, and Thea Keenan, Dominic, Catherine, and Sophia, Kevin, Don, and Luke Turner, Joshua, Maddie, and Annabelle Emens, Lavender, Azalea, and Benedict Gerals, Grandpa Ron, Grandma Leslia, and Apollo, Lily, Matthew, Juliana, Jesse, and Mariana, Benjamin, Gianna, Harper, Maximilian, and Lucia de Mateo, and the Astana family, and the Hoiser kids. Thank you all so much. We are excited to announce the launch of our Saints Alive Youth Missions. We are now bringing Saints Alive to you, live, in your parish or school. Our youth missions are dynamic talks to inspire your children to set out on the journey to sainthood. Complete with giveaways, you can turn a normal school day into a day that forms future saints. Booking now for the coming fall and spring semesters. Email us today for more information at saintsalivetalks at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our upcoming episode on St. Jose Maria Escrivá.